ladies and gentlemen, to the newest and best episode of M-Class Podcast. It's the best one we've ever done so far. <laughs> I'm Jeff. I'm Josh. And on this program, we sat down with a piece of Star Trek media, usually an episode of the show, and we picked that bitch apart from beginning to end in order to let you yeah. know whether it's a pitch it or a ditch it. No, that's different. <laughs> You're getting the shows confused again. Fuck you, Boston Sean. (laughs) Wow, we're like 48 seconds into this thing. (laughs) And you just fuck you and people. I'm kidding. Boston Sean's a great guy. Anyway, (laughs) on this episode of M-Class, we're going to be talking about the Voyager episode Counterpoint, uh, which I'm going to go ahead and say up front, it's a pretty good episode. You don't have to turn this one off. Yeah, um, I watched it twice because I watched this last time. <laughs> he could have just not told you guys that and got away with it. <laughs> so, uh, I saw it twice. Well, like, really, like, one and a half times. <laughs> I was doing other things. But, uh, uh yeah, so this, this is a good episode, and it fits with the theme of the last episode we did, too. Yeah, it fits with, of course, this is the Ben Beeler Defection Collection, yeah. So they all fit into that. Right. They fit with the Ben Beeler uh, theme, but they also fit with this, like, Holocaust y Nazi theme. We the got accidental Nazi collection. <laughs> That's how it happens. <laughs> it is always an accident to begin with. Uh, this is season five, episode 10 of Voyager. Uh, it came out December 16th, 1998, which is oh wild. Since this episode is probably going to come out not on the 16th, but near it. No, it'll come out, uh, wait, what day is that? Um, that's a Sunday, so no. So no, no it, will, it will be out on the, on the 19th, 19th so yeah. it'll be near it. Well, I might edit it on the 16th, that <laughs> might happen. Hey, hey! No, I don't do work on Sunday. It, just it's like the God. Lord's Day. Just like God. Uh, this episode was uh, directed by Les Landau, who uh-huh. um, is the fucking workhorse of the Star Trek series. I was looking at his credits. He's directed literally everything. He's directed 58 episodes of Star Trek. Yeah. 34 TNG, 14 DS9, 9 Voyager, and 1 Enterprise. 1 Enterprise. And the Enterprise episode's pretty good. I looked it up which one it was, and it's a pretty good one. I wouldn't mind doing that one for a possible, like, a Klingons thing we do oh, or that'd something. that'd be good. I had an idea. This is some, like, uh, sausage making here. Sure, show them uh, how they make it. I was. I had an idea for, like, a, a theme for some episodes, uh, like, a kind of like a Lost at Sea theme, where, like, uh, they're either, like, trapped in, like, nebulas or, uh, like, they're kind of, like, like, floating through space type of deal. There's a couple episodes we could do like that. We could put that on the list for people to vote on if they'd like to. Put it on the list if you're the patrons, you can vote Only on it. Only patrons. Yeah. Uh, Les Landau also directed a ton of episodes of Beverly Hills 90210, Sequest, <laughs> Lois and Clark, Mantis, done- Sliders, Jag, and Dark Angel. He's directed some episodes of the TV series Weird Science. Uh, he also co-produced TJ Hooker. <laughs> He directed an episode of Mantis. What a fucking legend Les Landau is. This guy is everywhere. 
Uh, it was written by Michael Taylor, uh, who wrote The Visitor and In the Pale Moonlight from Deep Space oh Nine. Oh my god! That's why it's so good. Yeah. He also wrote Things Past and Resurrection, and uh, he went on to work on Battlestar Galactica's third weird. season, a show I have never heard of. That's weird. It's almost like he's very good at what he does. That's weird. It is strange. I've never heard of this Battlestar Galactica thing, though. I mean, you're only hurting yourself, Jeff. It seems like I'm hurting you more than me somehow. <laughs> well, everything hurts me. I'm a redhead. Oh. <laughs> I can't even go outside without it hurting me. So The world itself harms you. That's the story of me. Jesus. <laughs> anyway, this is a part of the Defection Collection. So uh, why don't we go ahead and jump right into the storyline here. I'm going to put a sound effect, but I don't want to have to edit it in. So that's me diving into a pool. That's the scene changing. Um... So Voyager is passing through a section of space that's controlled by the Devore Empire. The Devore... They sound French. It does sound a little French. The Devore uh, Empire. But uh, there is like a warship coming up on our little tiny Voyager. Like the warship dwarfs it. It's so fucking big. Yeah, I, one of the things I like about Voyager is that uh, the ship itself is uh, vulnerable a lot of the yeah, time. Yeah, it's like a little baby ship. Yeah, it's not like the Enterprise, which is like, like a uh, majestic and like powerful. It's just sort of like little and. It is a lot bigger along. than the the ship from Deep Space Nine, though the Defiance. Yeah, but that ship's like quick and like uh, warlike, right? Yeah, the, the, like the Defiant is like heavily armed and shielded. So yeah, it's like a fighter jet. But uh, in the Devore Empire. Uh, telepathy is illegal. Telepaths are sent to quote unquote relocation centers. Mm, that sounds a lot like a concentration camp to me. We don't call them that in America. We call them relocation no. centers. We call them, we call them let's put children in them. We call them baby cages. Yeah, that's fine. That's cool. I love it. I we're, hate the world we live in. It's so fun. <laughs> but Voyager is completely outgunned for maybe like it happens a few times throughout Voyager, but yeah, it's weird though because like the whole idea of the Delta Quadrant to begin with was like it was a nowhere quadrant that was ruled by a bunch of like space bandits that had broccoli hair. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I like that the Delta Quadrant is like lawless because like the Borg have like fucked everything up, right? Like, so like the Borg sort of like made the power dynamic in the Delta Quadrant useless. Like, so everyone's Mad Max as fuck. Except like, the Devore Empire, apparently. Yeah, they're doing alright. I guess the Herogen are kind of scary, too. Like, That's they're a little true. powerful. Uh, they're a little out of place in the Delta Quadrant, but they it is good to have an enemy that the Voy Voyager's, like, completely outclassed by, that they have no yeah. choice but to follow their roles. Right. It's an interesting uh, and, I think, a good setup for the show, and I wish that, like, I, you can't do this all the time in Voyager, and this is the, the big problem with Voyager, is how do you how do you write the show so that you're doing interesting Star Trek things while achieving the main goal of getting the crew home? Mm-hmm. And, like, this works well, but you can't do it all the time. So, I, I, my, my, I guess my point is, I don't know why Voyager is a show. <laughs> it was, like... It must have sounded like a great idea to begin with. 
is yeah, the thing. It's, like, it's one of those yeah. ideas that you're like all on board with. Like, fuck yeah, that's a great idea. This is great. And yeah. then when you start doing it, you're like, fuck, I don't know where I'm gonna go with this. I have right. no how are we idea. gonna make this how are we gonna make this interesting, right? Every week. How are we gonna do it? The Devor warships like board Voyager and they're searching the entire ship and you don't really know what for what to begin with. Uh-huh. Until the lead inspector of the Devor, Kashik. Which is the planet that the Wookiees live on. Not Kashik, Kashik. Some people pronounce it Kashik. He shows up and he's like, he starts playing classical music. It's awesome! And he's, he's like, hopefully this will help you relax. I love your planet's music, so. Yeah. But he, he tells Janeway and the audience by proxy that. Telepathy is illegal. Telepaths need to be rounded up and sent to detention centers. Yeah, yeah. And they're they're not they're not uh, they're not welcome here. No, in the Devore Empire, there's a massive amount of prejudice against telepaths. And as we know, as audience members, there are at least two Vulcans on board, and some Betazoids. The number changes. Yeah, there's. They mentioned Suter, which is the serial killer. Yeah, uh, guy who played uh, Wormtongue in Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Uh, really good, really good actor. He's great. He's great. Yeah, he's dead though, right? Because he dies in that episode, I believe. Yeah, he does. Uh, so they mention him, and she spoilers says spoilers like, for Voyager, everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but but the guy goes through like the list. Kashik is like, well, they see here you had a number of telepaths. Like you assume that this is not the first inspection because in the beginning they're like, here we go again. Sort yeah, of, you know like, I mean? we know the drill. Just right, come on over. Yeah. Prax so is like, I'm gonna fucking listen when I talk. <laughs> <laughs> but he lists off like Tuvok, and she like lies and says Tuvok is dead. But like as a viewer, you're like, well, maybe he is dead. I don't know, you know. He was in the last episode. What happened to Tuvok? If Tuvok's dead, what am I watching the show for? I'm out. And that's when you turn the show off. See you next week, everybody. Honestly, if I was watching this on TV, like if I was watching along Voyager for some mm-hmm. reason, and I didn't know what happens after this episode at all, and she was like, Tuvok died in a shuttle explosion, and the music swelled up, yeah. I would have been like, what? That's the only reason I'm watching this. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Uh, but that is not the fire. He's alive, everybody. Don't worry. He's alive as much as any Vulcan can be. <laughs> Damn. Suck it, T-Pon. What a fucking spacist. <laughs> <laughs> fucking green-blooded hobgoblins. Jesus. <laughs> you know what? I think we should put Vulcans in camps. Uh, anyway, uh, they... <laughs> They, they search through the ship to find any telepaths, <laughs> and uh, the crew is, like, real pissed off about it, especially Bolana because fucking yeah. Prax is like, you're doing shit wrong. Do it right, you dumb oh, bitch. Yeah. yeah, so, like, there's, like, some vibration or something in, like, the warp power core or some shit, and he's like, this is where the problem is. And she's like, I'll keep that in mind. Great, thank you. But I think, like, she knows that it's because they're, like, hiding them, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. And seven of nine is in this episode. She has two lines. She's, which is unbelievable. Look, here's the thing. Like, I love Jerry Ryan, and seven of nine is uh, a pretty okay character for the most part. But 
Uh, this episode is great because she is not in the show. <laughs> at all. Damn, I thought people loved her. <laughs> like she's good, but man, did they in the last? This is season five. The last two, three seasons of this show, man, are like the seven of nine show. It's like it's like the baby Oliver, right? She absolutely is the cousin Oliver. This the cousin show. Oliver. Sorry, like. The show was waning in ratings, and they knew if they put a blonde in a cat suit on the show that it was yeah. going to get some more ratings. And it did. Yeah, it worked. <laughs> Jerry Ryan. But uh, Try having two first names as your name, you stupid. She Am already I right? did. Am I right? <laughs> put your hand down. I'm not going to high-five you. <laughs> Hit it. Stop it! Okay. Um... And so Janeway and Kashuk are talking, and Kashuk is like, I'm so interested in your human culture. He loves coffee. And she, he's like, you know, you have soldiers and artists and science and faith. You're a bunch of fucking weirdos. What's up? Yeah, you you're, you cover the spectrum, right? There's Not ev- not everyone's homogenous. This, this is a hint about his nature, by the way, if yes, you're following yes. along at home. Everyone's probably very conformed where he comes from. Uh, but, you know, he points out the crew manifest that there are at least four telepaths who used to be on board. Mm-hmm. And Janeway's like, oh, they all died in the shuttle accident. And Kashyyyk's like, well, that's pretty fucking convenient, isn't it? Yeah. And she's good, like, yes, for you. it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she could have played it like she killed them, right? Like Yeah. She, she knew that they were coming here and they needed she needed to get rid of them. That, that would have been, been smarter, honestly. Yeah. He would have respected that more. It's very fascist. But he's uh he's like, look, I gotta tell you, these these tellies, these gross fucking disgusting tellies. Wow, now who's a space? <laughs> it's his thing. He used that word, now not me. I didn't say anything that disgusting on the show. Okay, he said the T word. He said those filthy T words. Yeah, wow. Well, you added filthy in front of it, so it's bad again. <laughs> he said they're dangerous. They're they're going to destroy our society. Yeah. And uh, before Janeway can even respond, Big Bad Prax comes back and he's like, we didn't find any telepaths, but they went off course when we told them not to, so let's fucking impound their ship. Yeah, that's his, like, number one. And Kashik's like, no, I think I'm going to allow it. <laughs> I'm going to allow it. <laughs> Judge Reinhold. <laughs> I, I love that line so much. <laughs> I'm so going good. to allow it. <laughs> <laughs> And she's like, we were just avoiding ion storms. And he's like, okay, I'll, I'll definitely just allow you to go free. Yeah. Don't worry about it. And he's like, but remember, Captain, when I did you a favor, I was your friend. And you could certainly use a friend like me. Yeah. Is he? So is he, like, hitting on her? Kind of, right? Like, kind of. He's, he's being kind he, of a creepy. He's a little creeper. Yeah. At but, this point. Uh, however, we learn after this, after the Devor leave, that um, they're not only keeping their own telepathic members hidden, but they have 12 refugees from a telepathic planet that's been subjugated by the the, the Devor, Devor Empire. Empire. So the leader guy, uh, his name's Kerr, right? I think so. He's played by Randy Oglesby, who is... Uh, 
in every goddamn Star Trek iteration there's ever been. He plays Degra in Enterprise, and Degra is a really cool character that I like. Um, That's cool. So he's a really good actor. I like him. So every time he shows up, I'm like, okay, this is already good because he's good in it. He's not. He's not in this episode too much, honestly. No, he doesn't do a whole bunch in this, but um, but his voice gets me. I like the way he talks. <laughs> he's the leader of the refugees, uh, the telepathic refugees. And uh, they had been hidden in a pattern buffer in a transporter. Yeah, the old uh, Scotty trick. Yeah, it didn't turn out so great for Scotty, though. (laughs) No, his friend died. And also, he woke up a hundred years later with no friends or family left. Yeah, but he woke up in the cool Enterprise. (laughs) Yeah, here's the thing, though. Why didn't they tell him that Spock was still alive? Or that Bones was Uh... still alive? Is that before? Well, Bones at that point was dead. Was I mean, he? The guy, the guy was dead. Yeah. Well, yeah, but Bones himself was probably. They probably still don't alive. say that Bones was alive because maybe they didn't want to do that. But Spock's in the Romulans. He's hiding in Romulus, right? I guess it's, they still could have told him that he's alive, so that he had something to look forward to. Like yeah, would he, he care just though? went out into. He just fucking got in the shuttle and went out into space and drank himself to death. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking uh, uh, what's the uh, what's the whiskey? Aldebaran whiskey. It's Aldebaran green. whiskey. Looks like fucking ecto cooler. Saurian or Saurian brandy. Saurian brandy. The um, Saurians. But uh, they they're transporting these refugees to a ship that's supposed to be nearby them, but like their rendezvous coordinates keep changing. Right. However, we also learn that being held in that transporter suspension is like, de- like degradating their cells. Like they're degrading, yeah, it's killing them. And it's cumulative. Every time they put them in transporter su- uh, suspension, it's getting worse. And next- they have to do it every single time they get to a checkpoint. There's an episode of Star Trek: uh, Next Generation where they use that that jump thing right the, those two armies are fighting each other and they use that teleporter thing and it like fucks them up every time they use it yeah i remember that and they caps they kidnap the doctor and she's like stop using it and they're like no we love it <laughs> she's like stop using it dumbass and he's like no i have to kill <laughs> i love murdering with my transporter <laughs> how can i kill without it i have to go back to regular killing boring Fuck that. I need to just appear and kill Dumbo. <laughs> Dumbo. <laughs> That's mean. It's hurtful. <laughs> um, but if they keep... They have to keep using it every time they get to a checkpoint, which is like... They've already done three since they entered spa- this area of space. Yeah, and they don't really know when the checkpoints are, I, I'm assuming, right? So it's very, yeah. it's very Anne Frank. I got a... Anne Frank feel from this, right? Like you're hiding in the attic. Yeah, right? that could be true. It's definitely like a World War II, like you're hiding Jewish yes. people. It's upstairs. the hiding of the Jews, yes. Which I love that. I love that stories like that because it's so terrifying. Yeah, and I mean, there's the not often focused on like these people who were safe from the Nazis at that time. Who yeah. put their lives on the line to try to protect Jewish people from them. Right. It makes sense for the Federation, right? Like, the Federation's always going to do that. Like, that's, yeah. that's their guiding light, is that they're... Although this is 
uh, later it's pointed out in the episode that this is a direct violation of the Prime Directive. Absolutely. Because they're a pre-warp civilization. I don't want to like get ahead, but I want to make a point before I forget, because I'm stupid. This episode is Janeway at her most like Kirk-like. Like that's true. She's she's fucking incredible in this. Although episode. I don't know if Kirk would have picked up the refugees. Well, that's why he would have been a terrible asshole. <laughs> well, Picard wouldn't have picked him up either. Eh, he would have not wanted to, but I think he would have been like, "Oh, we must, we must do what's right." Like he would have figured I, it out. Well, right? Kirk would have done that too. Then honestly, yeah, they, but they all like, would have done it. There would We're have just, been there would have been that time period where we got to see them wrestle with the implications, right? And we're just jumping into this episode ahead of that, yeah. right? Like that's which is a little it. unfortunate because it would have been great to see Janeway sort of wrestling with, like, right. is this the right thing to do or isn't it? Right? Is this going to endanger my crew? Is this is this like because her main goal is to get home and is anything that gets in the way of that is a problem, right? Yeah. Like that that's very the question, problematic. The question with pre-warp civilizations become are we playing god or not? Right. Like are we cha- are we like taking control of this society by doing this? Right. And I don't think that's true of these refugees though because they're already under the boot heel of a warp civilization. Part of it too is like the natural uh the natural way of the the universe is like the great barrier, right? Like yeah, it, some some don't make it right, and like, does the Federation uh, involve itself in in deciding that? No, they shouldn't. No, but and I mean that's but. what you're doing at certain points, <laughs> right? And it's but, it's hard to see yeah. whether that's what you're doing or not. It, and like yeah. I said, with the refugees, they're already being controlled by a warp civilization, so it's it's like, already interfered. Yeah, it's like. Uh, six to one, half a dozen of another. You know, it's the same right. exact shit either way. At least this way they get to live. Right. And uh, since we need to live, let's take a break and hear from our first sponsor of the evening. <laughs> we'll be right back after these messages. When Ben Matlock questions a witness, he stands up, asks the tough questions. Did you call them the night of the murder? The witness smiles. Ben nods. What? Yes. No further questions, Your Honor. That's all there is to it. Case closed. Matt Locks a winner. Tuesdays this fall on NBC. And we're back with more M-Class podcast. Thank God we're back. I didn't think we were going to come back. Wouldn't that have been fucked up if after that advertisement there was just an hour and a half of dead air? <laughs> not like we ever did that to anyone before. <laughs> and we never will again. Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, when we last left our heroes, uh, the rendezvous coordinates to drop off all those refugees has changed, and it's two days away in a nebula. I would be very suspicious of this constantly changing rendezvous, like the moving of the goalposts, right? Like, I'd be like, this is a terrible, terrible idea. there's... There's so much like subterfuge going on in this episode that like we as an audience are privy to already that it's like yeah. that already sounds kind of weird. But anytime anyone does that to you in real life, it's a super red flag for like, sure. Super if, fucking red flag if, for sure. If they're like, "Well, I can't meet at Chuck E. Cheese today. Please meet me in this alley full of AIDS needles." <laughs> <laughs> oh, Watch AIDS out. Alley. 
<laughs> oh, I know AIDS Alley. Yeah, sure. I know where that is. You better watch your step with that deal, mister. <laughs> it sounds like trouble. Um, <laughs> however, unfortunately, Neelix is also in this episode. Oh, uh, he's telling the kids a story. He's telling the kids a story, but uh, one of the That's kids... That's what Neelix does now. That's his job. His job is babysitting. <laughs> Babysit children. Uh, he's telling them a story, and one of the kids reveals that he's a telepath, I guess? Like, it shows yeah. you he's a telepath? Because he's no, because he's like knows the the story, right? He's like, yeah. oh, it's in a meadow, right? Like he knows like what's. And Neelix is like, it's not nice to read someone's mind when they're trying to tell you a story. And the kid's like, yeah. I'm sorry, Mister Neelix, golly gee. Yeah, and then Neelix is like, it's okay. I'm a super understanding weird alien. Yeah, I'm definitely not the weirdest fucking alien you've ever seen or anything. Let's be friends. <laughs> that's pretty. That's pretty rough. Fuck that guy. Jeff. Anyway. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Janeway and Neelix. I'm going to send you the gif right now of him dancing. I'm not going to look at it, so I'm happy. Okay, well, I'm sending it to Uh, you. Neelix is like, Captain Janeway, you did the right thing by saving those refugees, (laughs) but um, the kids are real sad. Yeah, they're not not handling this so well. And uh, Janeway has a snack. (laughs) Janeway has a snack? (laughs) What did she eat? I don't remember this. I don't remember exactly what she eats either, but she has a snack. <laughs> and uh, a Devor vessel shows up, and they're like, oh my god, another inspection! Here we go again! <laughs> <laughs> That's what they say, and it goes, wah, wah, wah. Yep. But he actually texted me the fucking gift. Of Neelix dancing. I told you I was going to do it. <laughs> I thought you were going to send it through me through the thing we're in right now, the conversation we're having. No, I'm I'm te- I texted it because it's on my phone and that's how I do it. What a fucking monster! <laughs> it's so great. It's the best gif. I hate that gif. The best gif is Spock slowly turning away in disgust in his chair. Tied with the kitty cat sneaking out of the from behind the, the bed. The kitty cat doing the exact same motion as Spock, pretty much. <laughs> the look on the cat's face is like a person. It's great. <laughs> I love it. Uh, anyway, a Devor vessel shows up, and they get all of the telepaths into the transporter again. But uh-huh. it turns out it's not a warship. It's just a little tiny ship. Like a shuttle. Yeah. And there's only one guy in it. And it turns out to be Kashik. Oh, this fucking guy. What's the name of this episode again? Counterpoint. What's the name of the... I mean, our episode. The collection. Sorry. Oh, it's the Defection Collection. The Ben, ba- the ben Beeler Defection Collection. It's it's this guy's Defection Collectioning at this point. But you uh, don't really know that yet. No. You don't know that just yet. Not right. Yeah. Uh, this guy is literally in fucking everything. He's like a s- super TV actor. He's oh, God. In- he, I, this dude is... Yeah, he's everywhere. I don't know what his name is. Let me try to find it here. His name is... Uh, Mark, Mark Herlick. Herlick? What has he been in? Uh, fucking oh, everything, dude. Holy shit. He was in Jurassic Park 3. I think we all remember that. Everybody's favorite movie, Jurassic He's Park. In 42? The the uh, Jackie Robinson. He, he was in Six Feet Under. He was in Desperate Housewives. Man, he's he was in, in a lot of stuff. He was in Boy Meets World. <laughs> That's where I know him. From. He was actually in he was a recurring character on Boy Meets World. Was he a dad or something? No, I don't uh, Je- Jedediah Lawrence? What? 
Oh, yeah. Is that Joey Lawrence or uh, what's not Joey? The brother? <laughs> Joey Lawrence. <laughs> the brother Lawrence to Joey Lawrence. Oh, it's Topanga's dad. He played Topanga's uh, dad. He was Topanga's dad. So you know the redhead in that show, right? Um, yeah. The, um, la- the the later years. The Yeah, she's the, the college roommate. roommate. Yeah. yeah, she's Maitland, like... Maitland Ward is her name. She yeah. is a porn star now. I thought I didn't know she was a straight up porn star. I knew she was like one well, of she's those a straight up porn star. <laughs> she was one of those like Instagram nude models. Yeah. She was that for a while, and now she's just straight porn. Lots of porn. I mean, whatever makes her happy. She's very beautiful. She is very beautiful. Um, interestingly enough, Topanga's dad was also played. It was played by three different actors <laughs> throughout the series. Topanga. Uh, Peter Tork was first, and Michael Herlick was last. However, Michael McKean was oh, really? in the middle. Yeah. Peter Tork from from the Monkees? Yes. <laughs> That's a fun fact of the week, I think. That is That's a, a John Larroquette fun fact of the week. Peter Tork from the Monkees was Topanga's <laughs> dad. John Larroquette, though, not Topanga's dad, weirdly. As far as we know, yeah, not Topanga's dad. That makes sense why the monkeys show up in a late episode of Boy Meets World. <laughs> I, I honestly, I don't remember that much about Boy Meets World. I watched it a lot, but... What? How could you not know everything? That show, like, washes over me. Like, it would be on, and I would be like, okay, whatever. Like, I liked Boy Meets World a lot, but I'm... I love Saved by the Bell. Yeah, I know you really love... I never got into Saved by the Bell is awful. It is a god-awful television show, but I love it. I don't know why. That Zach Morris's trash YouTube shit is really great. Zach, Zach Morris great. is the worst human being that's ever lived. He's such a fuck. He's such a white fuck. I always He's, say that, like, there was a time period in the 90s where teenage girls had to choose who their heartthrob was. <laughs> a beautiful Hispanic man with muscles everywhere and dimples that go on for days. Yeah. Or a literal sociopath. <laughs> And some girls just couldn't choose. <laughs> That's fucking the realest shit, dude. That's the realest fucking shit I've ever heard. Holy shit. It was too tough. It was too tough for some girls. Oh, no. They're probably racist. It could be. It could be. They're anyway. probably racist. Kashuk shows up and he's not wearing a uniform anymore. He's wearing the standard like Star Trek The Next Generation I'm in regular clothes outfits. He's cashed up. Which is like gray and beige jumpsuits with low necks. God, earth tones, right? Everything's earth tones. And uh, he's like, look, Janeway, I know about your fucking tele-refugees. I know you're... I know you're headed to the wormhole to transport them for their escape, but for some reason not use the wormhole yourself. Yeah, I gu- Yeah, that's... I, gu- I guess... So, I guess they're not using the wormhole because, like... Maybe it puts them out in the other direction. Yeah, maybe it goes the other way. Or maybe it's just, like, not on their agenda because, like, their main focus is to get the refugees there first, right? Like, it's sort of self-sacrificing, maybe. But, I don't uh, know. They don't really explain that. 
Kashik does tell us, the audience, that the the entire nebula is just a Devor trap. Like, they set it up specifically yeah. so that they could capture refugees from this planet. Yeah, it's a entrapment, right? But he's like, I'm a defector. I'm defecting. <laughs> the Ben Beeler defection collection. He's got his own song now. That's cool. And uh, he's like, I request asylum on your ship, and then I'll help you not get caught by divorce ships. Right. And I'm the only way you're going to get out of this space. Yeah. And she's like, you fucking bitch. You think I'm really going to believe your sexy ass? <laughs> You're so sexy Topanga dad ass. <laughs> I knew I recognized him, and that he, I do recognize him as Topanga's dad, because I remember him seeming somewhat threatening on the show, even though well, he, he wasn't supposed to be. The way he plays uh, everything is, like, very s- stern. Like, he's very stern, right? Yeah. Like, on this one, he's, like... He's got, like, a sarcasm to everything he does. Yeah, he's, like, sassy boy. He's a real sassy Nazi. I just... (laughs) He's not, like, a Ray Fiennes Nazi. He's a lot more sassy. No, he's not shooting people on the roof and shit. (laughs) He's, he's like, a... He's, like, a, um... Oh, my... Hogan's Heroes Nazi. (laughs) (laughs) He's, like, yeah, he's, like, a PG Nazi, right? Like a like like he, a yeah, he's the kind of Nazi that Captain America would punch in a comic book, not in the movie. Yeah, he doesn't have a red skull. No, which red skull is like the guardian of the stone now. I don't that? understand that one at all. Like, I, I get what... that he got teleported by the cube or whatever, but like, why is he a wraith? What happened? Yeah, he's a wraith <laughs> now. Like, what's up with that? Where's that movie? I man, I would pay. The thing is, like, they brought a new actor in to play him because uh, Hugo Weaving was like, nah, fuck that. It's not Hugo Weaving? It no. Sounds like him. It's a different guy, which proves what? that they could have just brought a different guy in to play the Red Skull. Yeah, why does it need to be Red Skull? Just have it be not... Have it not be him, I like right? Red Skull as a villain because he's, he's just unabashedly an evil Nazi, which is the greatest type of villain to beat up. Yeah, they're the best to kill. They're totally okay to kill. They're, they're yeah. like, like better than robots, right? Like in, in like animated shows where they kill robots because they can't have violence against living things. Yeah, but you can kill Nazis. Like you, you should be able Nazis. to. That should be like parent group approved. Yeah, Saturday morning cartoon approved. Richard Nixon. <laughs> oh, anyway, um, remember that episode of Futurama? That's like where that like. Uh, so, like, that's where, like, the standard for Saturday morning cartoons came from, where, like, things had to be educational, because Nixon was like, I, uh, I, don't, I don't like the way this is going. <laughs> Dude, like he was all... Did you... I was reading something the other day from... Do you know the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon? Yeah. I was reading something the other day that one of the people who worked on it just kind of, like, will say... Will tell you whatever about what happened behind the scenes. That's awesome. And the number one thing they got from... Like, they had their setup of characters, and the guy who's a cavalier who has the shield, like, the bitch who's always complaining, the dude... Yeah, yeah. He was not in their original setup. 
Okay. And the station, which was ABC or NBC, sent them a thing back that says, specifically, you need to have a character who goes against the group think and gets proved wrong every right, episode right. to prove that the group is the, always right. The, the Simon Belmont of Captain Anne, like yeah. the complaining guy. Like, you have to have a guy who says that the group's idea is wrong, that they right. all agree on, and then he's proven wrong and has to join the group again. Right. Because group think is right. That's terrifying. Which is insane to me. <laughs> That's Speaking of Nazis. Um, that might explain a lot these days, I yeah. think. Yeah, maybe that's how we got here. I don't know. Um, but anyway. Anyway. Janeway agrees to give Kashuk safe uh, passage at a divorce space. Uh, and the leader of the refugees that are called the Brenari. That's important. names. Brenari sounds like a spaghetti type. Sounds like delicious spaghetti. Well, would you like that in uh, elbows or brunari? <laughs> elbows? That's no, the fanciest type of pasta. Elbow. <laughs> bow, bow ties, right? They got bow ties. Rotini. Rotini. They're good. Rotini. I like stuffed shells a lot. Oh, oh stuffed shells are really fucking good. Oh, God, I want some right now. But uh, the leader, Kier, who Josh was talking about earlier... Yeah, I called him Kerr. <laughs> it might be Kerr, actually. I don't know. I, they don't, do they say his I don't know if they say his name. I don't remember. But Kerr is like, Janeway, I got this scientist for you. He can predict the next the um, next appearance of the wormhole. Like He, he yeah. can do it because he's such a fucking great scientist. So one of the cool things about this wormhole is that it follows the Star Trek uh, already established that there's only one wormhole that's stable, right? Yeah. Because this wormhole is just all over the damn place. And so they need somebody who can predict where it's going to show up next. Right. And uh, like a fish man. He's like a frog man, really, named Torat. Yeah, he's like a classic Star Trek, like, loner character. They're always weirdos, right? Yeah, he's like, leave me like, alone. I need to get back to my work. Yeah, they're like hermits, kind of. Like, you know. And Janeway plays it, like, really smart. She's like, well, here's Professor Kashik who thinks you're full of shit, Torat. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a great fucking practical effect moment where Torette's, like, nose, like, blows up like a frog's stomach. And then (laughs) when he's angry, which I thought was amazing. It's cool, yeah. But um, they're like, look, we will replicate you this illegal substance. (laughs) (laughs) What is it that he wants? I don't remember. It's like something that powers his ship. Oh, that's right. And, like, they give him enough for, like, a year or something like that. And he gives them a bunch of data on the wormhole, and he's like, he's like so funny because he's like, wormhole it's a, is the layman's term. It's an interspatial flexure, <laughs> which is like a super Star Trek term, right? But uh, <laughs> using his data, um, not the cool data from the other show, but no. using the information, boring numbers data. Yeah, Janeway and Kashik like are working on how to like follow the wormhole around. And Janeway's taking her shirt off, so you know, like, she's wearing only her undershirt, which is she's got the hint gray. to the audience yeah. that this is going to be a sexy scene. She's ready. She's ready to F. That means, that means Janeway's ready to go. Uh-oh, it's that sweet gray, <laughs> drab gray, almost blue-looking yeah. tank top. It's like, 
whenever Picard is in his PJs, that lets you know a scene is about to be sexy. And whenever Janeway is in that shirt, that lets you know the scene's about to be well, sexy. Well, Picard wears that, like, man nighty. Yeah, sexy as fuck. <laughs> it's like that goddamn shortest shorts ever with, like, Pretty much. Little... His, like, ass cheeks are hanging out of him. Oh, it says yeah. juicy across the back. <laughs> It says Captain Juicy across the back. <laughs> CPT period Juicy. <laughs> juicy. But uh, they're like working it out and everything, and Janeway's like, well, let me play some music. Let me play some Tchaikovsky for yeah. you. Yeah, music's very important in this episode. And they realize that through the counterpoint of music, right? The in the movements of the music, I don't know music well enough to know exactly what that means. Yeah, Josh. It's sort of, a, of like a vague term for like, like uh, m- multiple things going on at once. It's more of like a, a for like uh, symphonies and shit like that. Mm. You know what I mean? But like a lot of times in modern music, it's just rests. Like rock and roll, particularly, will use like rests in a certain way, and that sort of works that way. If that makes sense, what you're not playing, right? Yeah. Okay. So also, the, in a symphony, like there's like forty-seven things going on. So. Oh yeah, and it, isn't it like in a symphony where like one part of the music will be playing and there'll be like an entirely different part of the music played yeah. at the same time, and that's the counterpoint. Yeah, the, it's like there's two different like like uh, people speaking almost, right? Like yeah. actors or like it works well in that analogy, I think. Yeah, so they so they figure out through the music counterpoint that maybe they can find a subspace counterpoint in the harmonics. Like maybe it's like pinpointing where it would be through subspace, which like I don't know, it's like a different sort of dimension, right? That's kind of how subspace works. So it's like they're thinking there has to be some sort of like an echo when the wormhole opens and closes, like where it appears, and if they can track that echo, they can sort of extrapolate where it's going to be next. Like, triangulate its position, I guess. I don't know. In four dimensions. So they use the computer... They just tell the computer to do it, which I wish I could fucking do. (laughs) Which is the best way to do things, Yeah. So, But they find that the wormhole's going to appear in the Tahara system. Sure. And uh, Janeway and Kashik are, like, hot and bothered for each other, right? They're getting all horny on science. Like, they're, like, talking about science and music, and they're, like, getting all fucking, like, they just want to rub each other's ding-dongs together. Yeah, that's how you make babies, you know? I don't know. (laughs) That's how you do it? I just told you. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) But, like, Janeway asked the obvious question that she probably should have asked a little earlier, which is, like, what's what changed? Like, what would make you turn... Why are you def- why are you defecting? Defector, right? Yeah. <clears throat> why would you join this defection collection? Yeah, he tells this stupid story. <laughs> it, it it's a story that makes no particular difference it's, in the in the narrative. Yeah. Really, I mean, it comes it's back later, dumb. but it's like real like genericy kind of. Which yeah, he found think- he found a girl who was hiding inside of a tank. And she not like an army tank, like yeah, a tank. like a like an actual tank that you store liquids in. Yeah, and she couldn't really breathe in there. And when he lifted her out, she thanked him, right. and he sent her to a relocation center anyway, knowing what yeah. would happen to her. Yeah, there. It fucked her up. Yeah, it fucked and him up. I mean. He he couldn't think of anything else, so he realized he couldn't fucking do this ever again. Right. So this story is like 
super like unconfirmable and like not that like convincing of the of me yeah. and the viewer. I mean, like even Janeway says before he tells the story, you must have like put thousands of people in relocation yeah, camps. Even their children, children, old people, sick people, you know, like what's why this one person, right? And why this this kid? is this might be why like Janeway doesn't really buy right. it. Exactly. This is one of the things I think that makes her very Kirk-like is that she's like, yeah, okay, you know, but like deep down there's like the, she does the, play into it a little bit. She's very, yeah. very like three moves ahead of you on the chessboard in oh, this man. episode, which is she's great. Peak, she's like peak performance. Like she's great in this. I love it when she gets real like sarcastic and sassy later. Oh, it's yeah. fucking great. Yeah, but uh, maybe you love it a little bit more than me with that reaction. But Jade, <laughs> what? But like the computer's like the analysis is complete. Here's where to go. <laughs> And did you do the voice of the computer? Yeah, I did. It was it wasn't Magical Bear, it was me. It was you? It sounded so good. <laughs> yeah, where'd I go? Janeway takes Kashik back to his quarters and he's like, Janeway, do you want to come in for some fucks? I can give you some <laughs> stuff from the replicator. Yeah, and she really like, wants to fuck. She's like, I turned your replicator off because I didn't want you to give me fucks. Anyway, I didn't want bye. You to make a gun. I didn't want you to make a gun out of, yeah. out of grapes or whatever. Really smart. Because yeah. you can just replicate weapons. Yeah, like like a knife. Like, uh, one knife, please, and then it just gives you a knife. Yeah, I mean, there. it's been proven before that, like, replicators can be left on in, like, prisoners' rooms, and you can, like, specifically yeah. set them and lock them up so no right. weapons can be made. Right. But you could still make, like, a butter knife and kill somebody with it or a fork yeah. or something. You could ask for, like, a spoon and then, like, grind the spoon down or something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you could, you could make a weapon a if you wanted and, to. Like, yeah. Or, like, give me a brick. <laughs> One brick, please. There you go. Now you got a brick. You can hit people with it. One brick, please. <laughs> what temperature would you like the brick? Fuck. Um, uh, they, they're using this, like, really clever, like, uh, sort of like Red Dawn style technique, like uh, silent running. To yeah. try and keep to be uh, so that they red don't get, October hunt for red October yeah hunt for red October yeah I know you meant um, so that they don't get detected by like divorce scanning devices that are like all over the fucking quadrant apparently yeah um, unfortunately Bellana fucks up somehow I'm not I'm not sure she's like oh there's something wrong in the warp core I need to shut it down but I can't yeah. shut it down fast enough. Does the nebula fuck with it or something? Isn't there like I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember. Like, I don't remember. What. But Belana fucks up. Yeah, classic Belana. <laughs> she's usually more put together by this point, but unless she's like rage fighting or rage fucking somebody. It's true. Like she's she, very angry. Was she raised by like her Klingon parent or her, her mom or her mom? She yeah. yeah. She was raised by her Klingon parent then. But I think her mom goes missing or something, right? I don't know, because I know, I like, Worf was raised by humans, and that's why yeah. he's he's able to keep his temper in check better than yeah, she he, is. Yeah, he had to, like, deal with humans, but she... She's kind of orphaned a little bit, which I think messes you up, right? Yeah. Like, it messes anybody that's up. That's kind of, like, so. the false... Uh, like, everybody hails Voyagers... I've mentioned this before, everybody hails Voyagers being this very enlightened show that's much more diverse. Right. 
than the other shows, but it's, like, the falseness of that, where, like, the female Klingon is always enraged, even right. though the male Klingons are capable of holding it in check, even, like, full-blooded Klingons, like... Yeah, even the Klingons that are just murderers. Yeah. <laughs> like she's always, killers. like, incapable of controlling her emotions, and she's a woman... Yeah, that's a little bad. And also, look. she's Hispanic, which that's also a stereotype for Hispanic people. It's like yeah. there's there's like problems yeah. in Voyager that I think people overlook a lot. But yeah, they it still was like the late '90s. It's kind of like how everyone's like in the late '90s. They were like, yeah, there's gay characters on TV, but then you watch it now and you're like, oh, I get it, they're gay. Yeah, <laughs> right. There's the always joke like is the, that they're gay. The jo- it's like, that's always okay. like played for laughs or if there is a serious gay character they literally never even touch another person of the same sex right there's they're never around like other gay people and even if they are around other gay people they only like hold hands or hug right they're not they're not in like a sexual relationship like married people in sitcoms were right because that would be too scary to the to the homogenized audience at home someone's grandma is gonna write a letter to cbs can't believe you showed hot, hot lesbians on my TV. <laughs> hot <laughs> lesbians. Um, but, like, they trip the scanning array. And th- so they just run away, which is a good plan. Yeah, they're like, cheese it! <laughs> cheese it, it's the cops! And then, like, the Scooby-Doo, like... <laughs> that sound effect happens. A little morning sunshine, and they go through like a wormhole and come out the other side of the wormhole, but it's like the other side of the screen. <laughs> you wrote a much better episode just then, Josh. <laughs> well, you know, I am awesome. But uh, Kashik's like, You're gonna fight him? And yeah. Janeway's like, Yeah, how can I defeat him? And he's like, Well, here, you can do this and this. You can modulate your shields and you can get your weapons like this. Right. And she's like, I'm ready. And Kashik's like, no, the only way you're going to survive is if I take over the inspection crews. If I leave and pretend right. like I'm joining the inspection crew. And they're like, they're, I think she's like, well, ha- haven't they noticed that you're like missing for fucking like two days or whatever? Yeah, and like, he's like, no, like I, I, it doesn't matter if they find out that I'm a traitor as long as you get away. Right, which is like another like not an explanation for how he's going to pull this off, right? So it's another like red flag where yeah. you're like, hmm. But then they like snog the fuck out of each other. Oh, they snog so hard like the British say. <laughs> They just smash their gullets against each other for a little while. <laughs> Their, like, teeth are rubbing against each other. That's how hard they're kissing each you other. You can hear it. It's like... <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. That's a hard kiss. They're going to leave some damage. Topanga's dad is getting fucking kissed <laughs> up. Um, can you believe it's been longer than part one of this podcast right now? I can believe it. I'm looking at the time. Shut up, Josh. Uh, we, we'll be right back with the thrilling conclusion of M Class Podcast. Little morning sunshine. <laughs> right after these messages. On an all-new Voyager, did he come as a threat? If I found you were harboring telepaths, I would have had to arrest you. Or is he here as a friend? I'm defecting, and I need your help. It's a powerful episode that will keep you guessing until the end. Forger will be seized. I'm your only hope. Why does that change your heart? Do you trust me? An all-new 
Voyager. And we're back. Hopefully you bought that good indoor service. Buy it. Or make the economy go. <laughs> spend money. Consume. It's Christmas soon. Buy things. I hate Christmas. I love Christmas, and I also hate Christmas. Yeah, that's pretty much how I feel about it. Because this is incredible. Uh, and then and then after Christmas happens, and you're like, oh, this is horrible. Christmas, I don't The lead up to Christmas, having to go to, like, relatives' houses and stuff on Christmas Eves and shit. I hate all that. And, like... There's yeah, one thing that I absolutely hate about Christmas is like Christmas is about the spirit of giving. Uh-huh. Uh huh. People say that, but they don't mean that. Christmas right. is about I need to get a present from you. Yeah, I feel like Christmas is like definitely there's that aspect to it, but I feel like there's like way uh, more egregious things like that in our in our American society anyway. Like mm. weddings, I feel that way more about. Um, wet weddings and like wedding like parties. Like wait, what's the wedding shower? Baby showers. That's the baby one. showers. Like baby showers just, drive me crazy. The thing about weddings and baby showers is you can just not go. I, I it's why I don't. It's and then like gets mad at me. Like they people really might people might like think that's kind of an egregious sin or whatever. But like they do. Trust me. And they'll bring it up like whenever the wedding gets brought up or whatever. But if right. you just don't do Christmas, people will never leave you alone about it ever. <laughs> like for the entire year up until the next Christmas, you'll catch shit about it. Maybe not where I'm from. Maybe that's a more where you're from. I don't Maybe. I feel like there's a lot of different like there's a lot of selfish people where I'm from, and they don't really care about like, what know, you do. I know a lot of, like, I have some friends who, like, every year, they're like, so, like, if you got me a present, I get you a present. And I'm always like, how about we <laughs> just not get each other presents like we've done the whole time we've been friends? That's ridiculous. Like, I try to get some people stuff that, like, they like. Like, I get alcohol a lot for people because it's like everyone likes alcohol, right? Like, it's true. who doesn't want alcohol? I'm but. just, I'm poor, man. I, no, I barely I afford rent. Leave me alone. <laughs> I know. I know. That's how I am. I'm like, I'm always like, okay, well, I have like this much amount of money to spend on like these people, right? Yeah. And it's like, I have a list of people. Like, I always get a present for my mom. I always yeah. get a present for my two nieces and my nephew. Well, and I always get a present for my wife. Yeah, you you should really only just be getting presents for your wife. <laughs> and like I do, I do all that, and people still act like I'm some Scrooge because I don't get presents for everybody else. Yeah, Christmas. I I do agree that like it turns in it turns into like expectation town, which oh, I yeah. hate. Like I you hate shouldn't that. expect to get a present for people. It's right. ridiculous. It's for it is ridiculous. I give you I give all you listeners a present every fucking week with an episode of M Class podcast or email. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. That's your fucking Christmas present. Suck it down. Anyway, so the DeFore inspectors board the ship. <laughs> yeah, and Prax is in charge. Yeah, and but Kashik is there he's as back. well. Yeah, he's he and he he's went, like, he redefected or whatever. Yeah, defect, he's in his, his leather daddy uniform. <laughs> he's in his Nazi daddy outfit. And so he plays Tchaikovsky again. Yeah, and he's like. Like you can't alter your course, you gotta leave divorce space. Uh-huh. And she, he's like, "Prax, why don't you go and 
fuck off. And Prax is like, okay. Because <laughs> he's a robot. And he's like, so where's the wormhole? And she's like, oh, it's this It's this way. It's right there. Yeah, and this is how it. we're going to open it. And this is how we're going to close it. And he's like, oh, mm. that's great. Hey, Prax, come back and take hold of the fucking... Like, capture those refugees and then shoot photon torpedoes into the wormhole. And she's yeah, so like, oh, yeah. Jacques. Yeah, it's very uh, 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 turn Cody, right? Yeah. He was playing her the whole time. Shocker. And she's like, you gave a masterful performance. And he's yeah. like, on the contrary, I'm impressed with your stupidity. <laughs> that made this so easy. You Fucking dumb idiot. idiot. <laughs> Stupid human idiots. All the cards, all his cards are on the table, right? It's great. Oh, it's Fucking so good. flat foreheaded bitch. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And she's like, that's a little too far, I think. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know where that came from. Oh, and, okay. And she's like, well, did the story with the little girl happen or not? And he's like, it was real, but I... After I wrestled with the ethics of my situation, I realized right. I'd done the right thing to protect my people. I realized I am a Nazi. <laughs> it turns out that Nazis are me. <laughs> and he yep. takes her to the bridge, and all the bridge uh, crew is gone. Mm-hmm. It's all taken over by Devorah assholes. Yeah. And, um... Like... They shoot the they shoot the photon torpedo into what they think is the yeah. wormhole. It looks like a wormhole. It's like a neutrino surge or whatever wormholes yeah. do. But it's just residue left over. Yeah. And all they find inside of the transporter hold is like big fucking barrels, Donkey Kong barrels full of vegetables. <laughs> Donkey Kong barrels full of squashes from like <laughs> fucking like Halloween fucking time <laughs> and Janeway changes the music to a like a different symphony oh it's great she's like maybe this will help you realize it's, oh my she's god she's so, so sarcastic great. and it's so fucking great I oh, love it so good she's so good this is the thing about Janeway is if she was in a better show she would be like one of she's the best great. captains for sure well, like, here's the thing about this episode that I love that makes it better than most Voyager episodes is she's not wholly concerned about her crew. She's not, like, motherly in this episode. She's a Starfleet captain. Like, she's cunning, she's smart, and she's, like, decisive. You know what I mean? And, it's and like, true. She has, like, a little bit of Cisco. She's She's yes. got a little bit of Cisco in this episode where she's, yes. like... She's kind of cutthroat in how she does things. Yeah, she's brutal. She's, like, brutal. And usually she's, like, cautious and, like, she's caring but strong. But in this episode, all that doesn't matter because, like, she's, like, like this seems, like, to be her game, right? Yeah, like she really she's a Starfleet captain is, in right, this episode. She's good at this. And it's great. Yeah. She, like, sends the refugees ahead with the shuttlecraft, one of the endless shuttlecraft that Voyager has. <laughs> they just make them. They just fucking replicate them. <laughs> they have, like, replicator rations, but they're fucking making shuttlecraft. Yeah, they're just like, whatever. <laughs> we'll get another one. But uh, they're, like, they're gone. The refugees are gone. So Prox is like, Voyager's still 
deviated from their shuttle plan. You know they were carrying these uh, right. refugees. You saw them, so we could still impound them. Right, we'll arrest them. And right. Kashik's like, we failed, and neither of us need this on our permanent records. It's very Sith Nazi, right? Like, we're not going to tell anybody about this, mustache twirl, mustache twirl. Yeah, everybody leaves, and Kashik's like, you know... He congratulates Janeway on her ruthlessness. Yeah. And she said, you know, I had to take precautions against you, but the offer was genuine. You could still have joined us. Right. And he smiles and he says, you know, you made a tempting offer. Right. And he leaves. He's a, he's, man, he's such a, such a great villain. He's skeevy, so slimy. He's great. I love, I love how the guy plays him. I love the character being just like so shitty. (laughs) It's really good. And to counterpoint that, oh shit! I love Janeway's just like subtle cautiousness and her, uh, her. Just her, like, amazing captaining. And it's like, I wish that she was just always like this. I, I feel wish like, every episode was her being awesome. I feel like this was one of the episodes that, like, the big wigs... Because there was, like, a pushback anytime they tried to write Janeway as, like, not being the motherly feelings captain. Yeah, I... I, I don't... I mean, I get, like, why, because it was 1998 or whatever. Yeah. But, like... This is probably one of those episodes that, like, the bigwigs were like, what? She wasn't using her vagina powers. (laughs) I don't like that episode. How are the audience going to know that uh, she has a vagina? How are they going to know that? If she's not being motherly to the crew, then she's probably being a bitch. Now, now, does she have a penis here, or, or what? <laughs> did like she some, grow a penis between episodes and nobody told me? Some, like, fucking executive on, like, UPN or whatever. Now, now, I, I gathered that she has a dick in this. Is that true? She was sure acting pretty dickly in this episode. I'm telling you that right now. I was unattracted by how manly she was. Can we go back to the captain who loves the hologram Irish man? <laughs> <laughs> I do have a bone to pick with oh, Voyager no. Voyager as a whole, but specifically this episode. I don't know who edited this episode, but you fucking suck. Like Wow. The 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 rest of the episode is mostly fine. There's some weird editing choices where it just kinda lingers on somebody who's not I saying anything for a while. I didn't really notice it, but the one thing that stood out for me is during the teaser. You know how at the end of a teaser they usually play like a musical sting? Yeah. And then, yeah. And then like it fades out as the music ends? Yeah. Uh, Did you watch the teaser for this? The teaser's just the first scene before the. Oh, um, the, the cold open. Yeah, the cold open. Yeah, yeah. It's always called a teaser on Memory Alpha. Okay, okay, sorry. The cold open. The way the cold open always ends is it's usually like it goes. Ba-na-na. Yeah, and then it fades yeah. out as the music fades out. Right. Uh, this literally played two notes, and then before the music starts, it fades out really fast. So, and I was like, "What the fuck just happened?" <laughs> that's probably a commercial problem. Like they probably were up against it because, like, you have to remember that, like, there was like rules, right? Like it needed to be. Then edit length. your scene differently, bitch. Yeah. So they. Have- <laughs> 
I like how that the the show ends though. It ends on that song that whatever that whatever it is. It's a uh, fuck. I don't remember who it is. Hold on. But it's it's very not Star Trek. Like it doesn't end on the Star Trek theme or like a Star Trek musicy theme. It, it ends on like a Tchaikovsky or whatever. And I thought that was very uh, it Mahler. Was like movie Mahler's first symphony. Mahler. Yeah, it ends on that, and it, it was very movie-like. It was very cinematic. I really like that a lot. Yeah. The episode as a whole doesn't have terrible editing, but that beginning edit was, like, so harsh that yeah. it gave me whiplash. That's that's probably the television problem. We're not used to seeing it anymore because we don't, like, watch TV like that anymore. It doesn't don't really exist like that. make excuses for this. I'm making excuses for this one. I, I just, I've watched a billion episodes of Star Trek and never seen that happen before. So. Yeah. No, I know. I, I, Fuck I know. you and this editor. Did you edit this episode, Josh? Uh, I, I didn't want to tell you, but I edited this episode. You suck dick. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think this is my favorite episode of Voyager. I, I, I know I when I watched it the first time last two weeks ago, when we were supposed to watch the other one, uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, I don't remember this episode at all. And like I remembered like parts of it, but I was like, I don't remember it being this this good. It is this, a really good episode. This is a really great episode. And I can't think of a be- like a better Voyager episode off the top of my head. I can't think of it. I don't know. I, I'd say this might be the best. I'm not sure. It might be. What's I've, the what's like the good ones? There's a couple good ones. I don't remember any good Voyager episodes. <laughs> There's like five good episodes. So I was talking earlier that Michael Taylor was the writer for this, and he wrote yeah. um, like a lot. He wrote like 24 episodes of mm-hmm. DS9 and Voyager, um, including In the Pale Moonlight. Yeah, but we he do said like a whole series about that one. <laughs> he stated about Counterpoint that he I like Counterpoint a lot because it's where the captain has a romance and sort of in the end it showed us how lonely her job is and gave us yeah. a foreshadowing of why she had to stay alone throughout the rest of the series. Yeah, it's great. It's it shows really that there's a real vulnerability to the entire ship and crew when she shows any vulnerability, mm-hmm. which we see in TNG, DS9, Enterprise, like anytime, especially in TOS it comes up because anytime yeah. the captain has a romance, even for a moment, it can be disastrous for the ship. Yeah, it's a it's like a risk that like you can't take sometimes as as like a person in charge of like hundreds of people, right? Yeah, thousands sometimes. Sometimes thousands. It's crazy. Um, I, I think probably the uh, another good episode that we should also watch is Blink of an Eye, the one with the. Uh, the planet that exists in like a weird time stream. Like, oh yeah, that's not bad. That's that's a good one. That's too. not a bad episode. Yeah, that's probably one of my favorite ones. But this one is like, it's right up there, and I and I, it's not mentioned on any list that I that I'm looking at as being one of the best episodes, which is weird to me because this is a good episode. <laughs> that is know. strange. I guess because it's really kind of self-contained. I guess, maybe. Maybe I don't know. Um, Ronald I D. Did... Moore does have a quote. Oh yeah about Voyager that gives us kind of a, a look into the how the sausage is made there. Yeah. Uh, he says, quote, To be blunt, Brian Fuller and Mike Taylor were treated very shabbily on Voyager, and it pissed me off. 
They took a lot of crap, and the only reason it was done was to keep the guys on top of the pyramid feeling good about themselves. It also had the effect of keeping the writing staff from working in concert as a group. The DS9 staff, by contrast, was very tight. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you can see that, right? Every every episode flows. There's, like, a very continuous theme in the whole series, and in Voyager, it's, like... It's all it's over the fucking place. Yeah, it's all over the place. It's scatterbrained. It, it, it's, you look don't... at a series, and sometimes it it's, like, impossible to tell that different episodes were written by different people. Right. It all feels like it's being told by the, with the same voice. Right. Voyager, it is painfully obvious each episode is being told by a different writer. In a show that needs, needs, almost, almost like designed so that like that would be almost impossible because of the, 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 the overall arcing story of the show. Like they need to get home. Like that's very, it's real simple, right? Like it's a simple theme. How the theme they, is sliders. <laughs> right. How they deviate from that and go in the weird directions that they go on this show is, I think, just super indicative of the the writing staff, like, uh, not doing a very good job. Yeah, like, what do we do? I feel yeah. like that was said at the beginning of every writing meeting. Like, what, yeah, do, what we do we do next? Yeah. Where do we go? Like, we've written ourselves into a corner with this going home thing. Like, we need to do Star Trek shit. They need to be right. looking at pulsars and shit. Right. Right. Which they could do that. Like, they could just do that, right? But, like, instead, it's always like, but my crew, I'm the mother. And it's like, yes, we know. <laughs> <laughs> we get it. There's just a... I will say, getting back to this episode specifically... The use of classical music in this episode is great. It's perfect. I'm I'm a big fan of classical music. Like yeah, I I feel like classical music is probably the best type of music to bring forth emotion. I agree with that. Sorry, I was yawning. That's okay. I mean, besides like metal brings forth anger. Yeah, and like hip hop brings forth feelings of swagger. Oh yeah. Besides Bra- that, I feel like, yeah, I feel like uh, classical music is like every other emotion you can have. It's the best at bringing. It's forth. all. It's almost like all of them, and and that's the thing about like a lot of classical music too. Depending on who you're like listening to or whatever, like there's it's they're long, right? They're like lengthy. <laughs> Some of them are like hours long if you want to listen to the whole. Oh thing. yeah, so that's why like, like you listen to. The Tchaikovsky bit in this episode is Symphony Number no. Four, which yeah. is the second movement, right, of the symphony, <laughs> right. And it's like you said, it, it's just it's chock full of emotions, and like it's a really good way to, uh, in in any sort of visual medium, like movies or film, to like evoke a certain emotion at a certain point. It's always funny too. Like it's amazing how funny classical music can be. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, there's there's obviously like a modern sort of connection to Looney Tunes and yes. like classical cartoons that you can't get rid of. Yes. But even like without that, there's like a playfulness in the music that can be really funny. Yeah, especially in like a modern like because we because like you said like we have like rap and rock and like all these things. Like the contrast to that is like this very like prim like classical music it's it's just very goofy in a way yeah i can understand that i mean like 
I'm I'm the guy who says that he likes every type of music and actually means it. Yeah, no, I do too, except country. I hate country. I can't stand it. It doesn't even bother me that much. Like, I grew Old up, country, I can... I yeah, can I grew up listening country. to old yeah. country. I'm not, like, a. I can't listen to new country. No, like, new country is horseshit. I like, um... Like the new bluegrass movement that there's been since yeah. in, the, in the past like fifteen twenty years, like That's trampled cool. by turtles and the night sweats and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like literally every type of music, and my favorite type of music is hip hop. So I guess I'm not a real music fan. That's crazy talk. Why would you <laughs> say that? There are people who think that like hip hop isn't true music. You gotta not live where you live. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not just where I live thing, unfortunately. <laughs> I don't, I don't ever get that here too much in Philadelphia. I don't think that's that's not a thing. People don't don't feel that way. That's crazy. That's it could crazy be that stuff. that's just gone by the wayside since like even pop music is very hip-hop influenced now oh my god i mean country music rips hip-hop off oh, at yeah. every turn like, there there are literal country music rappers now it's, which is nuts it sucks it's uh <laughs> i mean it's good in one way because at least like th- like there's a bit of culture like country music is like this institution that is like yeah. starkly white and yeah, conservative but they're just, stealing, and they're just stealing the music again. It's I mean, exactly what happened. They're actual black country rappers, though. Yeah. So at feels... least there's like some sort of like cross pollination happening when it was just this institution that was completely impenetrably oh, white. It's so it's so shameless. It does suck a dick, though. It's so. shameless and it's awful. It's terrible. Ugh. Um, Ugh. A John Lyricat fun fact for you. What? Two? Janeway, when she lists the telepaths they have on board, only lists four. Uh-huh. Tuvok, Vorik, Jurat, and Lon Suter. Yeah. Um, Vorik is the other th- So there are only two Vulcans. However, yeah. several times throughout the series, she mentions that there are, like, multiple Vulcans aboard. Well, you would think there would be, because it's a science ship, and yeah. Vulcans are big into science. So, uh, yeah, I... That's just, I guess they were just like, they didn't want to have to like explain where all these characters went, right? <laughs> like, I mean, they could have just said like, a number of your, a number of your crew were listed as telepaths and she right. could have said the same thing. Like they died in a, a shuttle accident. Although like they died in a, you. in a like, uh, experiment you like to try and learn about telepathy would would have been a lot better i'm telling you they should have said that she abandoned them yeah you're right you're 100% she should have been right. like i left them i knew i knew what would happen it would have made that relationship like better i think it would have made it more dark and like creepy which i think would be neat to watch i don't know that's true but it it also would have like it, it they definitely would have had to have been addressed when Kashik like turns fake traitor and they start becoming friends. Right. Like Well they well he knows that they're there then. Yeah, that would have been interesting though. Like an interesting conversation. Like what type like that type of way you were willing to paint yourself. Right. As, like, like ruthless. Yeah, you lied about being that ruthless. I and mean, he could have been like, Well, I I know that your people are capable of these things, but you're not capable of yeah. that. Right. It would have been it would have been pretty clever. It would have been cool. Almost almost uh like it would have made the show better. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's overall this episode is one of the best episodes of Voyager. Absolutely, like we don't know if it's the best or not because I haven't watched like Voyager a ton in a long time. Yeah, it's one of the best I think. I mean, I've seen Voyager probably like three or four times total in a row. Um, I've only seen it through once, and it's, I've seen it rough. halfway through the second time and had to give up. It's a rough. It's it, dude. There are episodes where you're like, oh my god. <laughs> Like, you're like, stop. Yeah, there are uh, some episodes that literally, like, I took my glasses off and, like, massaged and <laughs> the bridge of my nose. Like, I can't believe this is what they're putting on this show. Yeah, there's so... I mean, once... One good thing about Voyager, and I'm going to be very diplomatic here. One good thing about it is, toward the end, you know it's ending. And you're like, okay, 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 okay. What <laughs> right. a terrible compliment. <laughs> you're like... You're like this will be done soon, and then we can go watch another thing. <laughs> I've always said that Voyager has an incredibly interesting premise that they do nothing with. They, f- like, they fumble it, man. They have the capability of very engaging characters when they want to, but they don't yeah. want to 90% of the time. They don't want to go full, full on. They, 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 it's like... I don't. Maybe, maybe it's the like what Ronald D. Moore said. Maybe it was that reason. Maybe it was an executive problem. Maybe they were just like tired of like heavy shit. I don't know. Who knows, man? I it's mean, not there's so the many best. things they could have. We always talk about Voyager and end up discussing what they could have and should have done. Yeah. Which sucks, especially if you like Voyager and you listen to this. But right. why in the hell would you do that? Why would you like Voyager? <laughs> also, why would you listen to this? <laughs> but, like, they have so many great things that they could have done. Like, even if you don't want to focus on the whole, like, split crew thing. Like, if you right. don't want to deal with the Voyager crew being half Maquis and half right. Starfleet. Which I'm kind of glad they don't do. I mean, I feel like it could have been more interesting than nothing, which is what they did. <laughs> Yeah, they don't they don't handle it at all well because they literally again they just are like nothing happens. Yeah, yeah. They could have like really and a few episodes touch on this like very little like dipping a little baby toe in the water. Yeah. Of discussing the mental fatigue and that you would have to go through right. knowing that you, it's going to be seventy five years before you get home. Yeah, you ain't. You're not making it back. No, like you're you're not making it back. Like probably, humans right? live to be like a hundred and fifty at this point. Right. But so, like, what are you going to be the captain when you're a hundred years old? Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I no, mean, like, probably not. You're under attack all the time and everything. There could have been. There's no fucking like counselor on board this ship. I know. And it's it's crazy. Somebody should have taken up the role of counselor. Yeah, that would have been cool. I don't know who who you could have had do that. You'd have to like make a character be that way. I think you could maybe maybe uh, what's her name's mom, um, Naomi Wildman. Yeah, her, her mom. Maybe her mom could have. She's in it for a while. I guess the doctor is the ship's counselor. I guess him and Neelix, right? Oh, Neelix is sort God. of the morale officer. He's, like, the guy who, like, is the... But he's, like, so annoying that I would just want to punch him every day, and I wouldn't go eat in that cafeteria. I would be, like... It would be like going to see Bozo the Clown about your fucking crippling depression. Yeah. Yeah, no, I wouldn't... I like, wouldn't you know, I'm just Neelix thinking, Neelix, I'm just thinking that, like, you know, I'm never going to see my wife and kids again. 
Like, I'm just going to die out here alone, and there's nothing I can do about it. Hank, Hank! You know, it just doesn't work. <laughs> Let me make you a balloon animal. <laughs> oh, Voyager. What? You what know, are we going to do? Here's, here's a unrelated fun fact for you. A John Larrakut fun fact that has Three. nothing to do with the episode. Bones is the ship's counselor on, <laughs> in the original series. Yeah, he's the he's like a psychologist, right? Yeah, he's he's got a degree in psychology as well. Well, this is at the time when like people would not hire you to work at your at their company if you if they found out you went to a shrink. They call yeah, it shrinks. That's right? true, and it's only retroactively he's been given the right. title of ship's counselor. Right. It doesn't. It's not brought up in the show. If right, we ever it's... do Star Trek, etc., for Star Trek continues. Yeah. One of the big plot points of the Continue series is that a ship's counselor joins for the first time in Starfleet oh, history. Yeah. That's cool. And uh, she plays like a really big role in the episodes. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. It's cool that That's they like sweet. took the time to do something genuinely different with that show instead of just being yeah. like, here's more of the same stuff. Right. Remember this? Right. Remember these. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I uh, I don't know. This episode's great. Uh, every other episode we're going to watch is probably going to be bad. <laughs> really, like, you're throwing, a, you're throwing a dart into a garbage dump and hoping <laughs> it lands on something not disgusting. Like, maybe you could eat, like, some of the thing it lands on, right? Like, oh, there's a, there's a apple that nobody ate, right? Yeah. It's fine. You're hoping to find non-contaminated <laughs> dinner. In a junkyard. Yeah. Maybe some Twinkies or something. I don't know. Oh, I, Voyager. I feel like most of my malice towards Voyager is how much wasted potential it had. I mean, it's it's definitely a waste. Like it, at times it's brilliant. At times it's it's entertaining. At times it's fun. And then mo- and then other times it's like uh, what? I, I would still rather watch Voyager than Discovery. And I would oh, rather watch yeah. Voyager than any of the J.J. movies. That, absolutely. Like, without a doubt, yes. Because, I mean, even watching the episodes of Voyager we've had to before where we kind of, like, ripped into it, I still enjoyed watching it a hell of a lot more than any yeah. of that other stuff because it's, it's still, still Star Trek. It's still Star Trek, right. It's still, like, the, the It's still, like, Star the Trek. real Star Trek. Right, right. And I think that's but, an important thing to keep in mind. When you're listening to us shit on anything related to Voyager. Not this episode, since it's actually a really good episode. Yeah, but Voyager is... is, I mean, there's there's lots of Star Trek in it. And, like, I don't know, the big... Like, I, I think I say, uh, when we, whenever we talk about Voyager, the big selling point was, like, eventually we're going to get to the Borg, right? And people were, like, horny as fuck for the Borg. So much so that they made a hot-ass... Blonde lady be a Borg. Yeah, pretty much. People were horny for the Borg, like metaphorically, they and then metaphorically, literally, yeah. then literally horny for the Borg. Yeah. The thing about that is, like, you get like the barest of vaguest hints that the Borg are gonna be involved for like four fucking seasons. Well, and then somebody's like out. the Borg. They do what? So, like, what Star Trek does poorly as a franchise? In the later years of Star Trek, one of the one of the reasons that it might have ended the way it did is that they were so patient 
too patient with like the big stories that they wanted to get to. Oh, Voyager yeah. did it with the Borg, and Enterprise did it with the Romulans. Like so much so that Enterprise didn't even get a chance to do it. Really, they started to they yeah. got to like the very beginning, and then the, and it ended. And that's like, that's the unfortunate truth that like maybe even Josh and I are too like timid to really touch on. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we've mentioned it before, but like not in, not in depth or anything. But maybe people are just too stupid for Star Trek now. It's it's possible, like because they took their time with reveals in TNG and Deep Space Nine, and people yeah. loved it. But like the Voyager took their time, and people hated it, and right. the Enterprise took their time, and people hated it. it t- television was changing. Yeah, uh, that had it, a lot to do with it too. And that's the um, thing is like you watch a Netflix series and like shit has to be happening in every episode that's like there's no build up half the time. It's just it's right. ruined by the end of the episode. There's a lot there's a lot of that. I mean, Netflix does like a good job in a lot of ways, but Netflix also does a bad job in my opinion with shows like uh like daredevil and shit like that we're like sometimes i'm like why the fuck are we watching this happen <laughs> like like get i like, feel that way like my wife hates karen page from daredevil from daredevil she like yeah. hates her guts yeah she's and, not great <laughs> and even i like i don't really have that much against her i guess no nah, i don't jessica really like her either true blood she's great as jessica i don't really like Karen Page either to be honest she's really insufferable and she like yeah she's a huge hypocrite because she yeah. does the same things Daredevil does but then she shits on him for it yeah she's mad at Daredevil for being Daredevil but she's like a reporter who like does whatever she wants and, and it's she's, like, what's the she's difference? like she's like lecturing Daredevil on like you shouldn't like be so violent Right, and you shouldn't think about murdering the kingpin, even though I have murdered at least two people, and my best yeah. friend is the Punisher. She murders like somebody <laughs> in like the first season. <laughs> I'm some... like, are you fucking shitting me right now? <laughs> yeah, she's so but scary. anyway, like my wife hates her, but like anytime she's on screen and it's like just following her life, I'm like boring. Yeah, there's a lot of like extraneous filler i feel like in those those shows yeah at least in like some of them it makes sense right like and some of them it's it, even if it doesn't make sense it's entertaining like i really right. like all the stuff about misty knight in um luke cage luke cage yeah i love anything jessica jones does like yeah. i don't care like, they can do whatever they even want jessica's her. friend who's like blondie yeah patsy walker patsy yeah like her stuff is all right like i don't have anything against that but like you can have side characters do things in your show without it being insufferable yeah they yeah this became a netflix review for a minute netflix i have a cat sitting on me no get down josh it's the end of the show let's say end of the show okay it's the end of the show Thank you for joining us on this episode of M Class Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at M Class Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram. We do have an Instagram now. It's M Class Podcast. I don't know what the fuck we're gonna do with it, but we're we just have gonna put one. pictures of us watching Star Trek. <laughs> I'm probably actually gonna do that, to be honest. Yeah, like tonight I'm watching episode whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you'll be an episode about it soon. Maybe. Maybe.
you can also send us an email to be in our other program, M Class Email. You can send that over to mclassemail at gmail.com. All singular. Yeah, fuck yeah. Send us all your emails. You can send us questions. You can, it doesn't even have to be about Star Trek. You can send us pitch it or ditchets. Yeah. Or you can uh, make up a fan fiction character and pretend to be them. Do Whatever you too. want. Do whatever. It doesn't matter. Nothing matters. We love it. Yes. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll be back in one week with more M-Class goodness. Bye. Bye-bye. I'm mentally ill.